Welcome to From Heartache to Healing and Hope with your host, Bernadette Winters-Bell, LMSW. This podcast explores the many layers of life through the lens of loss and grief, often with special guests who share their perspectives on this universal yet unique process. These explorations can offer you, the listener, avenues to encourage you to have these conversations with yourself, your family, your community, your world. Welcome. I'm Bernadette Winters-Bell, the host of this podcast from Heartache to Healing and Hope. And in this series, same storm, different boats. Wow. Wait till you hear this guest, Philip Mel. He is, I call him a Renaissance man. He wasn't terribly comfortable with that title, but that just shows you his humility about all the things that he's done here as a frontline worker and with frontline workers in a facility offering care and hope and showing resilience. I think you're really gonna like this. Hope to see you soon. Take care. Welcome. I'm Bernadette Winters-Bell, the host of this podcast, From Heartache to Healing and Hope. And I'd love to introduce you to my special guest today, Philip Mel. Welcome, Philip. Thank you. So good to be here. So good to see you. It is good to see you. Thank God for Zoom that we can see people. Yes. <laughs> so um, would you be so kind as to introduce yourself to my audience? Because I consider you a Renaissance man. So why don't you tell them all, well, a lot of the parts of Philip. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, uh, with, with that kind of title of Renaissance man, I don't know if uh, my own description will match that. But um, uh, I am a, uh, a, a social worker by trade. I always identify as that first. Um, it's kind of not only my profession, but um, really my life philosophy. Um, and uh, where that has led me in my career um, is uh, in, in various aspects of, of, of healthcare and, and mental health care from a private practice uh, to uh, trauma work um, in uh, ER centers. Um, I've worked with uh, employee assistance programs, and uh, but predominantly in the field of long-term care. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason for that is while I found all of those other areas um, stimulating and, and fulfilling, the frustrating part was not being able to, um, to develop longer-term relationships. Uh, and, and see how we all develop uh, as, as our stories unfold. So long-term care has really afforded me the opportunity to do that. And when I first got involved um, as a, uh, a social worker in long-term care, doing more of the direct uh, provision of, of care, I looked around me and uh, became very interested in uh, what, uh, management or the powers that be were, were doing that I thought, wow, that's a really great idea, or wow, that's a terrible idea. Why aren't you seeing what will happen when you do this? Um, so, uh, you know, the, the systems aspect of social work um, is, is very satisfying to me in that um, when systems work well, 
were able to impact a very large number of people uh, in, in hopefully healing and, and progressive ways. Um, so uh, I did get in with some pushes from some colleagues. I did get into uh, management and administration. Um, and that's, that's currently where I am. Um, my focus uh, in those roles, uh, not surprisingly as a social worker, is looking at environment and culture. Um, and I consider us all, whether it's staff or residents, um, each other's charges and responsibilities and, and clients. So, you know, the, the well-being of the staff with whom I work is, is just as important to me as the well-being of the residents that we take care of. Um, and so if we can have this kind of healthy environment, we can all be our best people uh, and do our best work. So and that, that's the uh, view of uh, uh, transparency, uh, Philip and I have worked together and he does do what he says he likes to do. Because <laughs> he does take care of the staff as well as the clients and create an atmosphere where you can come forward and say, I saw this, I, I'm not sure if that's a good idea. I, I have this idea, let's work on it. And I think that's all terrific. You know, Philip, I learned that um, after World War I, uh, people would ask each other, how was your war? Because of course there wasn't the communication and the social media that we have today. So I say to you, Philip, in this series, which is called Same Storm, Different Boats, how has your pandemic been? Oh boy. Um, well, it, 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 as we've all evolved through the pandemic, there's no one answer. Um, and I'm sure that's true of, of most people. Uh, when all of this really started to become real way back last spring, um, the facility in which I, I currently work, um, I am fortunate enough to have uh, really tremendous staff, um, capable, smart, funny, um, resilient. Um, and for the longest time, as, as we saw this, this terrifying wave of, of sickness take over um, our communities and uh, other facilities, we had managed to uh, keep this, this buttress up against it all uh, to even a, a point of false security, thinking it will never come in here. And even while other long-term care institutions um, were starting to tally up high numbers of positive cases and such, um, we, were, we were putting zeros up on that board for, for quite a while. Um, and, and we felt really good about that. But at the same time, um, we had also created for ourselves uh, unwittingly um, uh, something maybe not so healthy in that we thought that uh, maybe not overtly, but we weren't going to be affected by this. Uh, and when we did start to have our, our first positive trickle and it was devastating yeah. as, as if we had had convinced ourselves that we were we were stronger than nature and we were stronger than the forces. So we went from feeling um, like um, uh, healthcare gods to um, absolute failures. And, and obviously both of those extremes uh, are not accurate. Uh, right. And uh, 
so through that, we we um, I, I have always maintained, Bernadette, that human beings are so remarkably adaptive, yeah. even as we don't realize it. You know, we we could we could commiserate. Uh, together and saying, oh, God, isn't this terrible? Oh, God, how are we going to get through this? Oh, and realize even while we're commiserating, we are actively getting through it. We yeah. are actively and we're sharing ideas of how to be resilient. Yes. Right? And, yeah. well. and, and so I don't think we give ourselves enough credit, you know, where we think this is terrible. I'm never going to get through it. Yet each day we say that is another day that we've gotten through it. And, exactly. you know, that kind of strength perspective. Um, in in uh, in my personal life, but also in in my work as a social worker, is so important to hang on to. We just simply do not give ourselves enough credit for what we are doing well, simply because the outcomes aren't comprehensively perfect, or or we don't feel comprehensively uh, exuberant. Who does in a pandemic? Exactly. And when we ask anyone, "How are you doing?" Well, not so bad, but these are the things I've done wrong or haven't done as well as I wanted to. Um, besides not mentioning what they've done right, it's not even a balance, you know? Yeah. So we assume we're supposed to do things right. So we don't give ourselves credit for that. That's just, a, we should be doing that. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I, you know, and it's, it's, not, um, it's not completely different from when, uh, you know, I may have a, a staff person, or I have two children of my own, but maybe a staff person coming in and then over a coffee break, we'll talk about, um, you know, how that uh, incorrigible child of ours did this and this and this and this. And uh, we will just blame ourselves for, uh, you know, every bit of trouble that our child has gotten into. But when uh, someone else will say uh, some sort of success story. We say how lucky we are. And I have trouble with that because we'll take full responsibility for everything that goes wrong. But if something goes right, we don't, I, why are we uncomfortable with saying, yeah, I had something to do with that. You, you know? know, when our kids go out and um, are nice to other people or uh, work at their music as your girls and we hear about that and somebody says, oh, I saw, and give you a compliment for it. A piece of that is you. Absolutely. You didn't practice, she practiced, but you perhaps instilled the love of music or gave her her first instrument or gave her the space to say, try. If right. you hit the wrong note or 24 of them, it doesn't matter. You're trying, right. And right. so we are surprised when we hear of our kids doing well out there and other people say giving us some credit well you know it's like when little children have a birthday i often of course give them a card and a gift but i send a card to the parents because they got through six years or eight years or whatever <laughs> it is yeah yeah to everybody this is a lot of work absolutely so speaking of that how has your family been doing during the podcast uh, during the uh, pandemic uh, you know, really well. Um, so uh, I, as as you alluded to, I, I have two well now adult daughters. I'm yeah, sure really. that you remember them running around. Uh, exactly, little ones. Yeah. You know, the, our previous facility. But um, yeah, I have a 22 year old who um, is uh, just finishing up uh, her master's in in cello performance and musicology, and she's down in Brooklyn and. 
Boy, she um, was through the heart of when, you know, Brooklyn was the epicenter and um, yes, she, she managed to, to keep safe and, and uh, keep doing her thing. And uh, she's my, my uh, bohemian down there and uh, she's loving it. Uh, and uh, my younger daughter, uh, Madeline, she is uh, in uh, her um, undergrad and she has switched schools, which I applaud her for. You know, I, I said to her, the worst thing we can do is stay in a situation which we know isn't working for us because we're afraid to make a change. So that's not failure. Um, and so she's an urban studies major and, and she's moved back locally and she is a essential frontline worker as she gets through school. She uh, works in a, in a grocery store to help pay bills and, um, and, and they're doing marvelous. And then uh, uh, my husband at, at home, uh, he works primarily from home, but uh, you know, he goes out and um, he fixes people's complicated computer issues uh, and uh, he's super careful and- um, That's a frontline worker to me. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? I would say that because we rely on our tech more than ever right now. But uh, you know, we're we're all we're all holding our own, and um, and sometimes that has even meant uh, with our recent Christmas together that uh, when we were in less than six feet, we were we were masked uh, because we're not all you know living together consistently. Um, right, you're coming from different pods, so to speak. Right. Yeah. Right. So wow. I mean, that, that was hard. But, you know, again, that reframing that we talked about, it should be the alternative of not spending it together at all. Um, exactly. Right. You know, How, uh, resiliency. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. This is so. So I know that in the past for entertainment, self-care, probably maybe another category, uh, you've done some. Uh, performing. Yes. Was that any of that able? Well, first, why don't you tell people what what's involved? Because I think it's so cool. Um, sure. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's you know the art the artistic side of me, um, a portion of me uh, is it remains very very important to me. In fact, um, you know, through high school, I, I went to the high school performing arts, and uh, you know that like everyone else who went, I thought that was what I was going to do. Um, and uh, you know both um, uh, drama performance and, and singing and uh, you know through my younger life I did quite a bit of that some of it professionally um, and it was fun for a while until it became something that um, once it became something more like work and I had to make a living out of it and um, uh, it, it, it didn't quite feel the same but I, I can't say that's why I gave up on it. Um, because A, I didn't entirely give up on it, um, but B, the, the calling for me to be involved in a field like social work was, was stronger than any other feeling I had had. And what I learned through my life, particularly getting older, is uh, you know, while in that heavily artistic environment, there was a negative side of that in that uh, we were led to believe that if, if you weren't doing something artistic and that wasn't your, your bread and butter, that um, you know, somehow you, you had failed that portion of, of who you are. And, um, and I bought into that for a while. And, and for a while, uh, I had really shut that down. But for the last even 20, 25 years, and more so in the last 10, um, I have had a great time reacquainting myself with that side. I mean, I belong to um, an improv troupe. 
um, and we just do the most fun, creative, zany things. Um, I have been writing quite a bit. Uh, um, I, I wrote and conceived, wrote and directed um, an original um, show uh, that was based off my poetry and, and was basically performance art. And that was picked up by uh, and, and produced by one of the, the local theaters uh, in Kingston. And, and that was so incredibly rewarding and, and just what a fantastic experience. And, and so I, I've learned to, I, I've integrated that artistic part of me into everything that I do because I, I, I don't want to shut it down and, and I don't think it's healthy to. Um, exactly. And as we both know, it's the balance mm -hmm. of things, you know, whether it's bitter and sweet or clinical and creative, whatever that we're trying to balance, that's what gives us peace in our spirit. And so Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Every time <laughs> when I see that you've been at the improv, I, I probably even wrote this to you. You know, I'm not a person that feels jealousy hardly ever, but I'm jealous when I see it. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it looks, I love improv and it looks so much fun. I keep, oh, I wish I lived close because you're doing this in the Hudson Valley region. Yeah, I live in the Hudson Valley and actually um, a, a high school artist friend of mine, a, a performer, um, she relocated to the Hudson Valley and re reacquainted and this wow. was her brainchild. And uh, she said, you've, you've got to join me. And, and so I did. And, and she's created this entire community of people who actually, Bernard, that the majority of whom have no theater background. Wow. Um, and so, it, you know, the, the way this community has grown is, is again, not with the goal of, of these, how, these are how people are going to professionally, you know, pay all their bills, but right. simply of being empowered and expressive and, and having this community to belong to. And um, it's just grown and grown. And uh, it, it, it's been very important. Uh, of course, because when we give people a place to be brave mm -hmm. and they try it, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're not going to put it out on the six o'clock news if you don't want to, the film of this, so just give it a try and yes. you enjoy it. You might make a mistake and then we'll figure it out and make it better. And I know that when people try things that maybe they've thought about, maybe they're not sure if they can do, and it kind of works. It's like such a revelation for them that they're stronger than they know. Yes. I love that. I love that look, right? Yeah. You have it on now, like, wow, I can do this, right? <laughs> right, right, right. right. I, well, I, we I, think that's not who we are, and it exactly. totally is. And, and particularly improv, the whole stuff, there's really no wrong answers. There's no wrong choices. I mean, there's some structure to it, but I right. mean, basically, right. yeah, it, it's it, very empowering. Yeah. Wonderful. So, of all the things, creatively, clinically, socially, that you've been through. And I know that you're a positive person, but you've been through some difficult things. Um, what gives you hope for the future? Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's, it's funny that if we had had this interview, let's say, um, a month ago, Mm -hmm. um, I would have been, I, I, I may have said, you know what, I don't feel any hope. I don't think I can do this interview with you. Um, and, uh, you know, this has been a process for all of us. Um, and so there, there were periods where I just felt this was so overwhelming um, that despite our, our 
best and diligent efforts. And I never once put my head on the bed thinking I didn't try hard enough. Right. Um, that, you know, that that's not something I, I often suffer with. Uh, you know, maybe trying too hard could be something. <laughs> yes. Okay. I'll go with that one. <laughs> but, uh, uh, and, and still not having the universe align the way that, that I wanted to. Uh, and just, you know, th this pandemic, particularly in healthcare, you know, it's funny when I would read about people who are so bored and they can't go out in the, in the pandemic and, you know, they can't go. And, boy, you know, the luxury of being bored, you know, it's something, you know, our, our perspectives are all different. Um, and so I, I never, I mean, I've been working harder than ever and anyone who works in healthcare is working harder than ever. And particularly in an administrative role, uh, I've often been working to some degree seven days a week, um, right. you know, as we try to fulfill all the, the guidances. And, and what became most crushing for me in my lowest point was not the amount of work, um, you know, I, I, I have found I can take on enormous amounts of work for a long period of time. And, um, but the way that, the, the part that gave me the most feelings of hopelessness was our inability comprehensively as a people to unite against this. Um, and even to the point where, um, you know, the, the pandemic is new to all of us. And, but to, to have, the Department of Health, led by you know the the governor, um, releasing new updates and new mandates and and new to the point where where people not in healthcare may not be able to under but these new rules that had to be implemented instantaneously were were coming out nightly sometimes eight o'clock at night sometimes five and and the burden was on us not only to receive it but to implement it and then to be threatened threatened by um, our, our state government, Department of Health, whereby if, if, you, can't, if you can't contain this pandemic, um, there, there were threats to, to nursing home administrators and such of, of criminal liability. And that's what was most crushing in that we're all in this together. You know, we, we are all in this field trying to take care of our most vulnerable, mm -hmm. trying to keep our staff who are just as impacted by it, but maybe not so much physically, but certainly emotionally. No, and you want to keep them uh, motivated and safe and able to physically to continue to do the work. And it's not any one person's or any one's facility's job to contain the whole pandemic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. And, and, right. and so, you know, having that kind of conflict to turn, and I'm sorry if I've meandered a little bit away, but but that's when I felt at my lowest, where, you know, I'd go home to my husband and say, you know, screw this, I, I can't do this anymore. You know, I, I, I've never worked harder and yet I'm being threatened by, you know, the people who are supposed to be supporting us and help. And, you know, this has really held a mirror up to, to our entire lack of, of sufficient infrastructure and, and that could be a whole nother topic, but, um, so when I got lost in that, I did start oh. to feel real despair. And I, I did start, you know, what am I doing this for? You know, uh, you know, if we can't work together on this, I can't, you know, a small group of us can't do it on our own. But there was some, some reframing I, I really had to do, not to mention some much needed. I, I got three days off. I've had three days off since last spring. 
Um, right. But it's it's amazing. I complete, uh, some lovely colleagues of mine insisted they took all my calls and all my emails. So I was unplugged from where, and that short amount of time, and plus the desire, the innate desire to not be stuck in that that despair. That's not That's who right. I am. No, is not. Led to this important reframing that I am surrounded by a, a group of people who, as I said, are just as committed and, and if not more so than me and, and provide me such inspiration and, and that the people for whom we're caring for have been really Surprisingly, despite being, you know, having a, 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 you know, a lack of visitation and a lack of group communal activities and, and dining and all that stuff, have also proven to be amazingly resilient. And, and so when I looked more inward and, and less globally and, and, and saw what was actually around me, that was so helpful to, because I was missing the forest through the trees. Um, and then again, to put my head on that when all this is done and it will be done someday, right. That's um, right. to have the satisfaction that, yes, I'm working harder than ever while some people haven't worked at all, but, um, but even that I'm still getting a paycheck, That's you know, right. and, and I'm getting the vaccine Friday where other people will not have access to it yet. And, and so, you know, really starting again to, to, to look more carefully. It's so easy to look at all the things that are terrible around us. I don't know why, just as people, it's much easier for us to focus on that. Uh, and I it's think about the human trait because we see it so much, right? You know what's something, if you ever need get hopeless again or just a little down, I want, I can say this to you, I want you to remember that you've always surrounded yourself with intelligent, strong, really excellent at their jobs, compassionate, kind, funny people. So I'm not surprised when you say to me, these are the kind of people who are working for you as if you're lucky. <laughs> that that's what and you got to take it now because we put luck into it. Um, and when we take a step back and say, okay, I have put myself in a position as you often do in life. And we have good people around us. That's what does sustain us. And there's going to be others in this bigger one. And we have to minimize, which we do, their impact on us, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, us good, funny people got to stick together. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And, and if we don't laugh, even in the worst of times here, then, exactly. then we really had a bad day. Oh, and there's absolutely. been very few of those. We, oh. we have always found a way. And, and Bernadette, there's just something that, to be able, when all is said and done, to count success not by how many positive outcomes we had, because who knows what that end tally will be, right. but but to know that I, I've been I've been fortunate enough, but also driven enough to put myself in situations where I can impact people. That's very satisfying. Yes. It doesn't mean I've always done it well. <laughs> but but the fact that I've been in that position, that's enough for me. Yes. Isn't you know, it wonderful I, to know that? Yeah. Yeah. I that, think it, one of the things as we age, when we think about what we want to take with us and let go away, and of course we want less drama around us and more love. 
But when we put ourselves into that mix and say, okay, these are the things I've done and will continue to do, tweak this and massage this. <sighs> okay, these are things we can be proud of. And it's good to own that. I yes. mean, even if it's only a conversation we have with ourselves and our spouse, you know. <laughs> yes, yes. Right. No, I think that's a wonderful thing to take because we do well enough to tell ourselves, as we discussed before, when we're not doing something right, you know. Right. Right. And and I could, you know, there's days, of course, where I could lament, God, I wish I was home. And my only responsibility during this pandemic right. was what I'm going to watch on Netflix today and everything, you know, and that's lovely for a few days, but that's really not going. I need to get back in it. <laughs> I could not see you doing that at all. <laughs> Well, Philip, I want to thank you so much. This has been such a, an enlightening and hopeful conversation that I know that my viewers are gonna love. So let me take the opportunity to say thank you for taking this time out of your busy schedule and sharing with everyone the bitter and the sweet, the ups and the downs of how it's been because it's so helpful and people know they're not out there alone. Yeah, well, I'm so glad you asked me, and, and it's so nice to see you, and thank you for what you're doing, and, um, uh, you know, good luck to everyone out there. Good luck, but also own what you've done well. There you go. <laughs> own what you've done. All right, we got a new one. Okay, we're good. All right.